Anime Pulse, episode 550. host joseph bringing you another episode of anime pulse this time fueled with alcohol for a reason happy saint patty's day or well that oh, was yeah. yesterday this week. Mm-hmm. oh okay that was this week though That's- yes it was it, it's enough it's close enough that we can celebrate it and have an excuse yeah. for drinking alcohol more so than our usual excuse of just because oh how funny is it that this is actually the one week in a while that i'm actually going in and it's over <laughs> Actually, oh boy yeah well as long as you're wearing some green maybe that that, that will count uh, gray starts with the same letter so close enough <laughs> okay well i got my uh my grand gala here i'm currently mm-hmm. sipping on so when you start to hear me go loopy you'll know why all right yeah i look forward to it yeah so uh with that said let's get to our iral news Oh boy, so this week, it was just a lot of work for me. Um, Really nothing to mention happened at work. There was no big snowstorms this week. Uh, I did go and take off half a day on Friday so that I could go see the doctor, who it wasn't the same doctor because I could go see the same doctor because she is a, a contracted out urgent care doctor. So she goes to the hospital like once every couple weeks. And she told me that I had to see someone within like 10 days of the medication being, or within 10 days from the day I saw her and the medication was out. So I was like, all right, I might as well see someone so I don't potentially relapse into a uh, infection if it's still there. Mm-hmm. But the doctor who did see me, who I kind of doubt her ability uh, because I went in there and she looked in the wrong ear first and she's like, oh yeah, it looks clear. And I was like, the right ear, that that ear, that's fine. And then she looked in the other ear and she's like, yeah, it looks clear in there too. Oh, I good. Was like, you looked like two seconds and the other doctor looked like for a minute. Well, whatever. Mm. She gave okay. me the okay and so I'm back to normal, I guess. I can go work out again. So starting Monday, hitting the gym again. Woohoo! 
Sweet. Okay. Good play. Yeah. It, your routine shouldn't be too off uh, just from one week's break. I guess. Not not too bad. Um, you know, I I do plan to start back down at three point five on the treadmill and then kick it back up to four. Um, later next week but i think i might even actually start doing different uh machines at the gym i've always done the treadmill just because it's my staple go-to machine and i've been mm-hmm. thinking about either hitting up the elliptical or perhaps even doing some uh some weights in there um oh, i'm yeah. not a i'm not a big weights. weights person just because those machines are mm-hmm. usually taken over by very good looking athletic people and I just kind of feel out of my element, like doing the stuff. I know how to use them because my father showed me how to use them back when we used to go to this other gym called Family Fitness. But oh, yeah. at the same time, I don't work out with anyone because mm-hmm. my dad's never available. And so if I do go working out there, I'll be doing these weights all by myself with no one to spot me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so don't need to be too self-conscious about it. Yeah, so I might just start out on some cardio machines again, and maybe if my father's up to it on Saturdays, we could do some, uh, some muscle, some uh, weight yeah. lifting and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that's a good routine to kind of get going is like start off with very light cardio, like at least for maybe like ten minutes or so, and that gets your whole body sort of warm, and then you go to the weights because if your body's all warmed up, you you you'll perform a little bit better with the muscle workouts, and then you can cool off straight afterwards with some more cardio at the end. You know, you can make it as long as you want until it True. sort of cools you down. So right now, all, kind of all my routine really is is just getting on the uh, treadmill and running for an hour, or not mm. running, uh, going four point oh miles an hour at an incline of three point five. Which may not seem a lot, but after a full hour, it's actually kind of hefty. Yeah, yeah. It's a real, it's a real test of stamina more than anything, I'd say. Yeah, and that's what I think my legs are built for, is endurance. So mm-hmm. I definitely think that going a slower pace for longer actually is in my... You know, it works out better for me. But, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, if I want to push myself, I definitely need to up that speed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So you're you're more of a marathon guy than a hundred meter dash. Yeah, and I'm more of a slow marathon guy. I'm more of like a I'll uh, see you guys at the other side. I'm the tortoise. There are other people who are the hare. They get worn out. They have to sit there at the you know the drink stand, and I'm just you know strolling along, just like hey guys, how's it going? No, I'm good. I don't need any beverages. I'm just gonna keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else? Oh. I beat Mass Effect Andromeda today. Wow. Was that yeah. three weeks and you beat the whole thing? Uh, well, roughly like four or three weeks, but um, it's not a good game. I'll say that. <laughs> it's not enjoyable, <laughs> really. It had me giggle twice oh, yeah. in the game. That's it. Twice. Intentionally? Um, uh, well, no, because it- at one point I'm on this one world where gravity is less and there's this big gap that's like this big crevasse and I'm driving around in the uh, the uh, little uh, explorer the nomad and I like see the crevasse coming up and I'm like oh shit and I try to stop and I'm like turning and like uh, I have one of the Krogan in my ship uh, uh, was it not Grunt not Rex Drac Drac is in my ship or my vessel and he just goes shit 
<laughs> and I just get this image of this big, burly, hulking, old Krogan inside of the fucking car, like, backed up against the wall, like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, unable to do anything. <laughs> just, like, seeing the ledge coming and like, oh, no, Ryder, no. He throws up in the back seat. <laughs> oh, it was fucking funny. <laughs> And it made me laugh for a good bit, but um, but overall, the game had no replayability. Its music is not nearly as impactful as all the previous series combined. I mean, even Mass Effect 1 had better soundtrack, uh, had better OST than this did. There's no music in this game that I want to buy except for the ending song during the credits and that wasn't even made for the game it was just made because you know like some random artist made the song and someone that Bioware was like hey this is a pretty good song let's put it at the end credits because it kind of defines our game and they did and I was like wow this is a good song not bad the credits end credits game but I mean in the end the whole experience is just soured by the fact that I knew ahead of time there's no DLC coming. This is a dead-end game. EA has cut Bioware off and said, We're done. Mass Effect's over. We're not giving you any more single-player content. We're not updating the game at all. It's as is. And it still yeah. is buggy. It still has problems. It still has areas of Andromeda that you feel like you haven't explored fully. I mean, Wait, even massive no DLC. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I mean, you say no DLC, but what about the visual novel thing? The visual novel's not DLC, though. The visual, the visual novel's actually—it's just a novel, by the way. It's not even a visual novel. Well, I found out later, it's just a handwritten novel that some famous author uh, is going to be writing, so that okay. people know what the Quarian ship goes through and how it eventually it makes its way to the Andromeda galaxy and meets up with everyone else and huzzah, happy days. You know, instead of a DLC that they were hinting that you would play as the Quarian Pathfinder, that you would make your own Quarian, you design him, which would be really cool because they have suits that they wear all the time and... Mm -hmm. It looks really awesome and kind of mysterious, so I was really looking forward to it. I was like, oh, cool. It will be. It will make up for the fact that EA fucked Bioware in the ass on this game. But no. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't make up for it because now they're like, it's a book. Oh, great. Thanks, EA. Thanks. Oh, dear. Mm -hmm. No. Uh, so, okay. yeah, it's, it's just a disappointment overall. Um... I didn't go out and do anything yesterday, which was actually St. Patrick's Day. I was thinking about going out and working out, but then I was like, you know what? It's holiday. It's my last day. I'm going to be doing nothing. Uh, no gym. So I was like, fine. I'll just not hit the gym. I'm just going to stay home. I tried to finish the game yesterday, but that wasn't going to happen because the last part of the game that I thought I was in, which is where you're mm -hmm. at this place you think is Meridian, it's not actually yep. Meridian. Spoilers uh, for a game that no one will ever play because it's terrible. But yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. it's like a big like 
You get there and you're like, oh, finally, the end of the game. Oh, by the way, this isn't the end of the game. Fuck. You just gotta stroll along and continue on, and you get a shit ton of side quests, too, after that part. It's just like, oh, by the way, here's all the rest of the side quests we uh, didn't give you before. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, the, the achievement should just be fuck you after you beat them all. Yeah, this game was not great in every sense of the word. Even the romances. Like, Bioware is good at making you feel for characters. This one? I didn't give a shit about anyone. Even Vetra, who was the female equivalent of Garrus from the previous Mass Effects, was just like, I I have no romantic feelings about her. I mean, Turians are cool, and I think they're pretty bro, but at the same time, they're not really an attractive species. Ah. I mean, that's why yeah. I like Corians, because they're very mysterious. You could fill in the space of, what do they look like? Whatever you want them to look like. Uh-huh. You know, and then Asari are just, you know, they're built to be sex aliens, just like, these are the aliens Captain Kirk fucked every single day. The blue aliens. <laughs> uh, but there was no romance that I really cared about. Even Korra, who is the one human who is probably the most attractive of your teammates, um, besides the NPC crew that you can't romance, because there are two NPC crew members you can't romance, even though oh. you, they give you the option early on, the doctor and your uh, navigations officer, those two, you can't romance. And it's just like, fuck it. The only romances I actually liked were two aliens, um, a, uh, a sorry that you can romance on the Nexus, who does a bunch of interviews with you. She's super cute. And a Angara... Um, Angara, kind of like artifact collector, who you meet on Aya, who is also kind of cute and adorable. So those two I liked, but none of the quote-unquote canon romances really did anything for me. I see. So it doesn't even have anything in the way of that to offer the player? Nope. Uh, But Mm. yeah, that's it for me. So you you get a Netflix or a Burn It? Uh, so I'm obviously since I'm not going to be reviewing the video game here, but I will give it its end score. It gets damn. That's hard to difficult. Like, I haven't really been thinking about it that long, but on a whim, mm-hmm. I'd give it a burn it. Okay. If I were to think about it more, I'd probably give it a Netflix. Okay, because okay, because it's it still works. It still managed to get you to the end, so. It's still something. something. Unlike some Steam games out there where it's just copy and paste reused assets, this game made some of its assets. See, that's also Mm. the problem. You walk around the game, you notice a lot of those assets in the game reused from Mass Effect 3. Like, oh, that's a med kit. Oh, that's a, you know, that's like a a terminal. And a lot of them are like, Mm. I recognize these from Mass Effect 3. They yeah. don't look great. <laughs> so, but, the, but overall, there's like a sign that, you know, somewhere, someplace, someone in the development process actually gave a shit in the process somewhere with this game. Potentially. Potentially. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. Like they had a good idea at the beginning, but then EA stepped in. They were like, all right, you had your chance with Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. Now we're taking over, bitches. Do what we say. 
And Bioware's like, oh, okay, what do you want us to do? Single player, fuck it. Multiplayer is where we're going because we're doing games as a service. And they're just like, but this is yeah. this is a heavily single player game. We don't fucking care. Do what we say because we pay your checks. And not to mention, they pretty much stripped like a, a large portion of my understanding of the main team that worked in on Mass Effect and had them all put to work in other other yeah. projects, including Anthem. So, yeah, and yeah. Anthem is their big next stake that they're trying to, you know, fulfill on, which is their games as a service game. You know, it's their mm-hmm. like, oh, it's gonna be online with microtransactions, and it's just like, fuck you, EA, fuck you. Like we Which don't is care. A shame like, because like the trailers I've seen, the gameplay so far looks quite nice. Oh yeah, they're it's pretty. It's mm-hmm. I guess kind of pretty until you look at like the characters up close and they're like, ugh. Why would I want to put my dick in that? <laughs> Mass Effect yeah, Three. Okay. That was like mm-hmm. sexy textures. It was like, mm, that just that's like sex for my <laughs> eyes. Mass Effect mm-hmm. Andromeda. It's like. Ah, that's like herpes. Ah, ah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, the many fuckable textures of Mass Effect series. Yeah. The progression of it. Yeah. Commenting in Anthem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah. Well, once again, I suppose, similar to last week, fuck my life, and we'll just move straight on to the community. I'm more interested in how everyone else is doing. So, um, uh, this week, we have a lot of comments on our last episode, Insufferably Aho, which was episode 548. I thought <laughs> oh, it'd be pretty funny. Ever. Yeah, I, like, I commented a bit back, and at first I was thinking that'd be really funny if we managed to push it to, like, 20 comments. And then, like, one day it just, like, shot up to, like, from 27 all the way to, like, 32, and now it's, like, 33. Um, unfortunately, like, a lot of them were making jokes about, oh, imagine if Andrew had to read all this out, but, you know, it's... I, I put the word count together. It's longer than my review if I put all the word count together. So, no, understandably, I'll have to summarize quite a bit of this. Um, and and the subjects go from different topics like Watch Mojo to the to the Aho Girl to even a bit about Hajime no Gal. So I guess starting us off uh, on the domestic violence side, but actually it starts off with a nice and on a nice note. He says uh, Midnight Crew says I don't know if it was the alcohol, but you two felt very felt really lively this week. Had a great time listening to your banter while outside in the darkness and heavy snowfall. Swedish winter is so much fun. Watch Mojo is actually an occasional guilty pleasure of mine. I know their lists are, are always going to be pretty bad, but it's kind of fun to tune into them every now and then. And uh, again, to see what kind of crap they slap together. That said, let's shit on bad top 10 lists seems to be a staple of all the anime podcasts I'm listening to. And I kind of enjoy it as well. Makes for a lot of discussion at least. I can't really comment on Aho Girl since I haven't watched it, but since I'm tired of the old I'd never approve of violence against women chivalry bullshit. Uh, bullshit. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know why I was so apprehensive of swearing there. I'll at least give it points for just running with the male on female violence gag without pussyfooting around it like so many other shows and manga. I'm looking at you, Rama one half. I'd say this as a pacifist, if you're going to have violence, don't be afraid to have it go both ways. Or you're better off not having it at all. I'm just going to skip my comment. And then uh, um, he elaborates further. Um, this is how kinda, it, it goes more of, a, uh, more of a t- being a bit of a pet peeve. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I understand that, too. I'm more of a... Um, mm-hmm. This is going to piss yeah. off a lot of feminists out there because they like to have their okay. own little special place. But uh, they uh-huh. want <laughs> equality. They're always about that. Yeah. Like, we want to be treated as equal to men. Well, then you're going to have to get rid of the whole fact that women, you know, being hit by men is such a grievous offense. 
A guy punching a guy, it's like, you know, it's what we do. A guy punches yeah. a girl, shame on you, off to jail, cut his hands off. <laughs> but you'll have to get rid of that. You'll have to basically be saying, oh, it's okay for a guy to punch a girl because it's you. It's equal. You want to be treated yeah. as equal? We get to beat you up just like we beat each other up. Yeah, I mean, like, if it's, if especially in terms of media representation, you wish, I guess the, the knee-jerk reaction shouldn't be so heavy, I guess. I mean, like, if you are equal... I mean, like, it's, it's almost like considering you below it, like saying like, oh, you're not worth fighting because of that. But, you know, in anime and manga, especially, you know, you get plenty of female heroines, main characters like, you know, Maka from Soul Eater that are able to to lead as a shonen main character and, you know, have lots of decent fights. Actually, that'd be a good example of one where there's clearly violence. Like, you know, it's kind of equal. She gets beaten up by guys, but she beats up plenty of other guys. So I suppose yeah. that'd be an example so and, that, and that's the yeah. thing like whenever people are like oh that's terrible joseph why would you ever say that it's like listen motherfucker there are girls out there who could kick my ass five ways to sunday who could turn me into a pretzel just by pulling out the little pinky i've seen those women out there all right i am not afraid to say that women out there can kick my ass so mm-hmm. just on the equal basis that women can kick my ass i can kick the ass of other women as well I'm not going to be one of those guys that's like, oh no, the girl's coming at me with a knife. I'll just run away. No, it's like, that bitch going to get fucking knocked the fuck out. She comes at me with a knife. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's less on that sort of principle and more just like, you just don't typically like watching it as to why you avoid that sort of thing in, in anime though that you choose to watch though. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, I still it's, have it's my own preference sort of thing. personal beliefs of never yeah. hitting a girl. and But that's just on the basis of like, you know, you get angry at a girl, you don't hit her. I get angry at guys, yeah. I don't hit them either. It's just on right. a practical basis of just controlling yourself. But self-defense yeah. is self-defense. That's true. Yeah, exactly. They come at you with a knife, then all gloves are off, I suppose. Even if they're coming at me with their fingernails. I mean, god damn, I've seen what there's, their fingernails can do. Those things are scary. Oh, yeah. can tear things off, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like Lady Deathstrike from... <laughs> oh yeah i guess yeah um similar sort of thing about the file against violence irl if you blah blah, blah actually it's just gonna pretty much words to what we just to the effect of what we just talked about there and then it sort of like spirals into kind of a debate between uh, actually we joke about toma as well how he punches everybody uh from index and then it sort of becomes a debate a bit more between yotaru vegeta and uh Midnight Crew on the same subject, you know, Vegeta going more for the, the idea that, you know, that it's actually more representative than you think, especially in the 80s. Uh, there's plenty of anime in which girls get, you know, the ass kicked out of them. There's plenty of gifts you could probably find, um, but the 80s would probably be the biggest example. Um, but, you know, he questions whether or not, it, you know, whether it's really the creator's fault, whether they're really uncomfortable depicting violence against women, because, um, you know... Is any questions if if uh, refusing to fight women sh- is showing respect or is it kind of sexism in its in of itself? Um, because there have been many several cases in which the male character will say that he doesn't want to fight a girl for such a similar sort of reason. So then it sort of goes into yeah the debate sort of continues. They bring up some uh, examples here though. They got Romenko Takahashi who you know I understand did Ranma and uh, the last series you reviewed, mm-hmm. and you know he speculates about how Ranma changes sex specifically for perhaps because Takahashi was, wouldn't be comfortable about him fighting girls otherwise. Um, maybe there's some truth to that there. I'm 
He does generally avoid getting into fisticuffs with the women when he's not actually a woman. Right. Okay. I I will say that. Like, I've noticed, like, when he does fend off, like, um, like his first battle against Shampoo, it's as a girl. Oh, yeah. Ah, okay. So there we go. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I guess that's also partially because shampoo is infatuated with male Radma anyway. So, oh, it's only afterwards she finds out that he can turn into a man, because she fights and loses to female Ranma, and yeah. she has to get married. Uh, that's the whole thing, and she doesn't know that female Ranma can turn into a man until later. And then she's like, "Oh my God, he can turn into a man! My pussy is fulfilled." In so many that's, words, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> it's it's honestly that's how it was back with that. It's just it's very straight. Like, oh no, I have to marry a woman. My uterus will never be utilized. Oh, what a man! Oh fuck, my eggs are just producing at an astounding rate now. And it's just like, <laughs> damn, Rumiko-san, no, no. damn. Mm-hmm. But then again, yeah. that was back in the you know back in the day, so it was acceptable. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he goes on to mention, like, one of the more recent examples that comes to mind of this, where, you know, they're perhaps a bit more scared of having this sort of thing appear in the anime would be Beatless, where the main lead doesn't want the female android waifu to fight and promises to protect her, <laughs> even though she's a super weapon and he's a wet blanket. Um, but then, you know, Vegeta chimes back in with some more points about how, um, is it... Oh, about how basically, uh, oh, what's this? Sorry, what's because the dude slaps the hell out of women again? The eighties were nuts. There's a really good, meaning bad example from recent anime, which is called Rowdy Sumo Wrestler Eat Something Taro. I don't remember this one. It's based on an old manga, but it doesn't fit current times at all. He has he was a big dude getting rough with everyone and having his way because there weren't a lot of people who could stop him. This was a very unpopular show, but Joseph would find this kind of dis- especially distasteful. Apparently, that's an example of one where, I guess, a woman gets beaten up. Uh, and then, actually, they bring up an example I know of, actually, where, you know, Ichiro Oda, the guy who does One Piece, uh, he has a character called Ivankov in it, who's basically mm-hmm. like this, uh, he's he's based off that sweet transvestite character that was played by um, Tim Curry, and, uh, like, he's he has the ability to change his own gender um, with this his hormone fruit, and, like, he, there's a part where he has to fight another female character, and he turns himself into a female in order to fight that person, uh, using some of the advantages and disadvantages that come with it. Um, but yeah, in, in that series, typically, you know, there's there's not a lot of violence, with, even though it's an action battle anime to an extent, there's not a lot of violence between like the men and the women in that show. Uh, well, unless the woman is really, really ugly, like in episode one, where it's like, Alvida's like this large obese lady, so maybe there's something to be said there. Uh, he says he brings it back to um, Aho Girl, Give it points for reversing the girl on voice slapstick. Actually, that's about the same point. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm having to abbreviate it, yes. Um, then, he said, then Vegeta ends up that sort of argument there, or argument, but debate, with, um, in real life, it's underrepresented. Women beating the holy hell out of dudes. We definitely have enough wife beaters, so having girls punch guys to the moon is refreshing. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how much of it to end in the case of anime, though, is, is the case, but yeah. P.S. Oda is awesome. That really has something to do with the, nothing to do with the conversation. I just wanted to say that. And um, that was... You'd think that would be the end of that topic, but there's some last messages from uh, other users on the same sort of field, I guess. Um, Zaldera comes up with how he... Um, 
So a compilation video of some of the most violent moments from Alpha Girl, Yoshiko, Yoshiko's obnoxious, <laughs> obnoxiously stupid, but accurate on the basis of what I've seen doesn't in, engender any sympathy from me. In fact, I would go as far to say as Akuru is just as stupid for using beatdowns in retaliation for Yoshiko's antics. He never seemed to make her change. And then I basically put in a point about how it's, I saw it sort of like Looney Tunes, or it's very cartoony, like Tom and Jerry or something. And, um, you know, the point kind of went back and forth between how Aho Girl still seems a bit too semi-realistic in the way it depicts people. And uh, yeah, I suppose I agree. It depends on your interpretation of how you absorb those sort of shows and whether or not the violence feels too real to you or not. For me... I, you know, it's kind of like a character gets injured, but they never sustain any permanent damage. So I saw it as just very cartoony, like something like Simpsons or Family Guy, I guess, similar to that extent. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, then like, crew comes in again talking about how, um, you know, again about the, I suppose, the hypocrisy of like, you know, if if um, you're happy with it one way, it should be okay the other way around, basically. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I recommend if anybody needs any elaboration, just look at the comments because they're really long. Um, and then Black Magic ends off with um, from the way oh, it's Black Magic four 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 four, so quadruple four. Uh, I can only re- relate to a uh, similar to a show called Puka, only in reverse. The titular character is in mad love with her boyfriend Garu, a ninja who is none too keen on her outlandish displays of affection, often with sheer overwhelming force, like what Akun does, but up to eleven. I'll also pass that information on to Millennium about him review. I'm I'm guessing he's talking about Hajime no Gao. So yeah, that's that's the stuff about Aho Girl, and uh, we could probably move on from that to the other stuff. Because on a similar sort of note, um, Yotaro Vegeta brought up about how the Watch Mojo list. Oh, actually, he also did share you a link. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it. He, you know that that uh, Dojin you were talking about with the mummy. Yep. Yeah, he sent a link to that, so that might be the one you were talking about. That was in no, to I'm trying no. to find it right now. The one he or one that I mentioned. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like a really tanned mummy. Uh, give me a moment here. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll let you find it while I. I guess I'll read through the stuff then at the same time. Yeah, while you find it. So yeah, uh, Andrew's issue with Watch Mojo is that they don't write lengthy explanations about the anime they're discussing. I think that's your expertise, good sir, and I, I thanked him for that. And I said more or less that's the case. It's not really like they need to have a lot of length to their explanation. In fact, I'm trying to reduce the length of my explanations down quite a bit in order to make it more listenable. But it's it's just that what they choose to explain is the problem. They just they just read the blurb and. You know, I learned a lot more from the comments about the top 10 list and that, that I've got to go through here than I ever did from the Watch Mojo list, you know? And they, they, they present better reasons as to why it deserves to be on a list of top 10 worst harem of all time sort of thing, you know? Um, and I talk about, about a user called Wildfire and about the quality of the writing, how to keep it, make it flow. The only thing I'm doing to really try to make... My, anime, my reviews flow a bit better in response to that is that I'm just trying to reduce the word count for the most part by like about 500 per um, review now. They're trying to make them about 500 words less and also just trying to make them less segmented and more like they flow from one subject to another. But that's just sort of what I'm working on there. Um, do, do, do. And then, okay, next one is actually sort of a, uh, just tangent off, a big comment by Rampant AI. He talks about Hajimete no Gyaru, uh, my first mm-hmm. girlfriend as a gal. And he says, I get why one might initially be offended by the male protagonist and his circle of outcast friends. It is meant to be offensive. I sense early on that they are given these faults so as to provide room for the MC to grow. 
So curious to see if my hunch was right, I managed to work through all of the 10 episode season. On Junichi and his cohorts, they immediately reminded me of the less capable, poorly realised version of the characters in Prison High School, not Prison High School, Prison School, or Kangoku Gakuen. Cringe, i.e. cringe-inducing, bumbling fool stereotypes who are cultural outcasts and, at first appearances, wholly unsympathetic as protagonists. I figured that if Gal followed this trope, then it would be through the actions of these seeming pariahs that the audience reader learns that the MC has, to a lesser extent, his awkward friends are not as bad as they first appear. We are supposed to observe their actions and come to see them with, if not a positive viewpoint, then at least more neutral stance on their characters. That is, something along the lines of, you can't judge a book by its cover sort of message. Just as these fools have to learn not to judge uh, judge girls like Yukana, the girl's titular gal character, get your minds out of the gutter, by her appearance, so too are we not supposed to judge Junichi and his friends on their first appearance. And true enough, with, many, with each progressive episode, Gal does try to redeem the MC and his associates. Junichi proves to actually develop a natural affection and respect for Yukana despite his perverted immaturity. He still cannot seem to help himself at times in ogling his, uh, ogling his fanservice prone leading lady, but the two seem to end up really caring for each other, I guess. <laughs> so it's not nearly as bad as one might first think, but it does rely on some pretty lame tropes to get us there. And in comparison to prison school, well, Gal is by no means anywhere as spectacularly hilarious, but instead tries to go the more sweet approach, which still fell flat for the most part, but at least they tried. Uh, I can't say the animation was all consistent either and was poorly done in a lot of places, so meh. In truth, I nearly dropped the series too early on, especially with the ca- uh, callousness they were treating the pedophilia of the character Minoru, downplaying the, a perversion that is offensive hot-button issue for myself and most right-minded people. But I persisted nevertheless mainly because I was, as I mentioned, curious to see if they would attempt to redeem the characters uh, over the course of the series or not. They did, but it's debatable how successful they were in that effort. So that's his thoughts on Hajimete no Gao. Yeah, I, I will say that you can make any sort of joke funny with the right sort of approach. I'm, I, I'm guessing they were going for dark humour when it came to Minoru and that whole pedophile thing. But, mm-hmm. I don't know, I think probably they just, they just played it wrong. Or they just don't know how to do dark humour correctly. Like, the show's geared towards more of the silly kind of gag humour. I think, but I'm saying all this because despite not watching much of it. Like, I've watched episode one, so I can't tell for sure. But I'm thinking that the comedy in the show is more geared towards gag humor and not like dark, you know, like a dark black comedy with like, you know, like disturbing stuff in it. So I think it just probably stands in odds with everything else and it just comes across as just more creepy than funny, I guess. That might be why it maybe turns some people off. But yeah, now we have another host actually responding uh, to the episode. And this is in response to the Watch Mojo for the most part. Well, lots of comments this week. I heard of Dance with the Devils in the Watch Mojo Top 10, and I had to comment I watched this. It's not only reverse harm trashy goodness, but it's partially a musical. Yes, the characters have often cheesy song breaks to explain their feelings, accompany feelings slash accompany their actions. It also has vampires and exorcists, but it's pretty mild reverse harm. It's kind of outright stated that most of the male cast is trying to use the female protag as a tool to find the location of a powerful grimoire. Not that they're really, not that they're trying to get her, no, sorry, not that they're all trying to get with her, though some do totally try to romance to get her to romance them. It feels kind of like Watch Mojo team just wanted to slide a reverse harem in and found this one as a recent example and has a goodly share of what the fuck. Especially with the musical element, which of course they didn't mention. I watched Icon 2. It's 
exactly as bad as portrayed. It's actually so bad you think they're trying to lampshade harem tropes like crazy over-sexualized girls and over-the-top fan service. But nope, I think they're actually meant to be taken straight. Uh, but I tend to kind of forgive Watch Mojo to a degree. Like for Midnight Crew, it's a guilty pleasure of mine, especially the ones where Todd Habercorn does the voiceover. Fun fact, on Paranormal Romance, Twilight actually spawned Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades began as Twilight AU fanfiction. All the author did was publish uh, to publish was to trade all the Twilight character names for different ones. Boom. Oh boy! Is oh no? There's there's more. <laughs> there's actually still more. Uh, Here we go, did my you find friend. That, did you find that manga? Did you find that manga? Do you want to? Did you find that manga yet? I did, did find it. Uh, it is okay. called Sora wa Rekishi ni. Kanaide, or uh, wrote, don't write that down in history. Basically, the uh, beginning of it is some dude whose father went to Africa, and uh-huh. uh, he sent him a mummy in the mail. And okay. the dude, uh, in a very amusing manner, tried to get rid of the mummy by pouring hot water on it, being like, haha, instant mummy. And from it came a very tan, hot mummy who, of course, has sex with him. And then her mother also gets sent in the mail, who's like the empress, and she has sex with him, and it's just sex for everyone. Lots of sex. Ah, okay. So if you're a fan of tan, dark-skinned characters, if you're a fan of hot mummies, um, you know, kind of Egyptian-esque makeup and eyeshadows, and some interesting use of, well, I guess it could be magic-esque uh, themes, yeah. then you may be interested to go <laughs> read this doujin. Uh, just, of course, to forewarning, it is not safe for work. <laughs> Clearly, with all, uh, all that you mentioned there. So yeah, there you go. There's the there's the name out there for you all, if you are so inclined. Uh, okay, I've taken a drink. I'll, there's last two, last two. I'll push on through, and then we can move on to the next form. Okay. So, <laughs> the target audience of Lady Harbs has revealed herself, says Yotaru Vegeta. I didn't watch far enough into Dance of Devils to know if it had merit, but I certainly didn't want to continue. Have you seen the harem show out of this season, by the way? It's on High Dive, but I forget the name. It's kind of goofy, which I appreciate in an Otome harem. I actually didn't drop it after the first episode, which is high praise for the genre. So what are the chances that uh, Watch Mojo even watches enough for these animes to show uh, of these animes to know what's up anyway? They could scour forums and comments and see what other people say or have like one person on staff who's seen all the stuff. I think it would be too much anime consumption for them to come up with top 10 lists on the regular. And yeah, that that's probably the reason why they're so, you know, that way. Um, it's just, again, they got such a, a, you know, that's just where I take issue personally. It's like, you know, hey, if they made less top 10 lists of at least, you know, they, they could make lots of top 10 lists, but then if they made less anime ones, but they were just really good quality ones and they just took a little bit longer, you know, I'd, I'd be able to get behind them a little bit more. But hey, if it's a guilty pleasure, I can't really fault people for watching it that way or another. Oh shit, I just realized there was one of questions for us actually. Um, this is another one by, actually this one's by Illicit Material. I, for some reason I thought it was a previous commenter, but actually it's new. I gotta say, I watched a couple of scenes from Diabolic Lovers, however you spell it, no, not my cup of tea. The Watch Mojo list for me never really seemed to be accurate, but they are fun to tear apart. My brother and I argue with them constantly. Definitely a guilty pleasure. As for anime that made me cry, I think my most memorable one was Trigun. I remember staying up, oh, this is the forum topic. 
Korea, staying up late and watching the show on Toonami whenever it was on. I really liked Nicholas D. Wolf, Wolfwood as a character, and when he died, I bawled my eyes out. And Clonad, I don't think I need to go into details here. No. <laughs> oh man, Clonad yeah. after story. It's just like, hey, you thought it was Clonad was sad? Just wait till after story. Ho ho. Mm. Yeah. I, 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 I'm almost a bit nervous going into like something like Clonad, knowing that it's, you know, it's almost genetically engineered to make you cry, you know? Oh yeah, Kanan um, and Clanad were the first anime that were like, I got into were just like, ball your eyes out, absolutely sad. And then after story, the with way Ichigo described it, I was just like, no, no, I, I can't do it. I just can't. And <laughs> yeah, then I watched the scene, just the yeah. scene where it's like yeah. the accumulation of all the sadness. And I was like, I was just, I can't, I don't, why did I do that? Why did I watch that scene? It will haunt me for the rest of my life as one of the saddest things I've ever seen in anime. Yeah, that that makes me apprehensive <laughs> about like going into it knowing it's like a trap that's already like everyone said it's, it's going to be like that. But there's a question here for you, Joseph. Uh, it's about, do you know any anime or manga where two or more yandere's are going after the same guy? I feel like that would make for a great watch slash read. I don't know any anime per se where it's two yandere's are going for the same guy but there is a manga that tim and weltal reviewed where it kind of has that where there's actually multiple um yandere-esque characters there is a full yan yandere and then several others who are either stalkers or just kind of like crazy psychopathic killers who are into him big time um uh-huh. give me a second and i will have that title for you Okay. Um, also answering his question to me very quickly, um, I do not actually have a preferred brand of tequila. I just sort of, bought, I just sort of bought whatever was there, so I wouldn't even be able to name the stuff I drank off the top of my head. Unfortunately, despite me saying it was like my favorite drink, um, I don't drink it regularly. But the times I have had it, it's a very social occasion sort of thing. It's probably why it has such memories. But you know, I don't drink it as regularly as I do something like beers, and that's probably why I wouldn't be able to recommend a good one. Unfortunately, um, apparently you bought some really good stuff by the case. It was very smooth. And could be neat or um neat or on the rocks. It was great. Ever had anything like that? Unfortunately, I have not. I've only had a um. I've never eat, drank it on the rocks or anything like that. I've always just had like a shot with the 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 lemon and the salt sort of mix. Did you find the um when you're talking about Joseph? Yeah, it's called Abnormal K Joshi. Abnormal K Joshi. I want to see a picture of it. Abnormal. Yeah, basically we got a protagonist who's fish-eyed and very, like, fuck the world. And he has many girls who are all very interested in him. Uh, One of them being a serial killer. Uh, Oh, lovely. She she goes around killing people, stabbing them to death. Um, And that's just Uh. her way of things. And he knows about it, but he just doesn't say anything. You got another one who's just like a full-on stalker who just shows up out of nowhere. You know, dark hair, like, goes down all the way to her back, very petite. Um, Uh You have another one who's a full-on yandere who is, like, the perfect girl in the school. But, like, at home, like, she has, like, 100 cameras set up in his house. And and she'll just be, like, you know, tracking him every step of the way. 
Then you have another one who's like the student vice council president or council president who, you know, very prim and proper at school, but she's actually a major masochist so much that um, when he found out her secret, that she uh, had him get involved in the sense that she has him beat her up at her apartment afterwards, like whipping her and stuff like that, wow. because she's super okay. into that. <laughs> All right. Okay. Right. Well, I guess we do recommend it then, I suppose. Or Oh, yeah. There's like some really good moments where like the serial mm. killer chick um, ends up killing this other serial killer who was raping and killing a bunch of little girls from elementary schools and eventually goes after the little sister of our main protagonist. But then the other serial killer finds out about uh, this uh, serial killer targeting the main protagonist's sister and she just stabs him to fucking hell and back. And it's like, it's one of those moments where it's just like, yes, I'm okay with this 100%, 110% even. Temp- Whoa, okay, right. So, there you go. Alyssa... Wait, what was her name again? Alyssa... I've lost your page. Fuck. No, Alyssa Material, that's your recommendation, I suppose, for the mixture of the two. Sorry for my answer being a bit lackluster. Oh, uh, right, and I oh, forgot. Yeah? There is one more girl who is a kind oh. of gothic Lolita, red-haired, twin-tails girl right. who claims to be a vampire, has fangs, uh-huh. and will bite the main protagonist, and he lets her bite him so that she can suck his blood. He doesn't know whether or not she's actually sucking his blood, but he's okay with it as long as she doesn't bite anyone else. Uh, okay, okay, okay. This is only a manga only, yeah. Manga only, but if you're looking for something that's a bunch of crazy girls going for one guy, I can't recommend anything else other than this. Abnormal K. Joshi. Greater than school days. Well, greater than school days in the sense that the main protagonist isn't a faggot. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, and then we have the most recent comment from the most recent episode that just posted yesterday by Utara Vegeta, so let's just go right through it. Um, Andrew, I think I'm going to call you Andy from now on. Andy and Joey, sense of anime variety hour. <laughs> hmm. Anyways, Andy, chicken is not just wielding a rake, she's using a coxcomb! Ah! Play the, the gif with the guy doing a sick burn. I like your Juni Tyson review, it was very burpy and probably a bit too inebriated, but the prose was less purple. More formal and conversational. Never heard someone describe writing as purple. I don't know what that means. Maybe you can elaborate for that for me. Um, hey, if you want more live listeners, maybe we need to leverage Andrew's connection, Andy's connections. How many times per week do you pimp the podcast? Do you tell your family um, on Facebook about it? I tell my friends and family that are close to me, but I don't have like a large network of you know anime fans per se you know i don't know what he's talking about we don't need any more live listeners look at all the thousands we got online today look at that chat's blowing up here yeah you're right hello hello chat hello uh zaldera and hello zaldera and (laughs) hey zaldera and um oh there's zaldera over there and uh there's an alternative account that belongs to me still yeah and i think that's also zaldera over there as well (laughs) Um, oh, wait, that's the bot. We got a bot in here. Yeah, that counts. Yeah, <laughs> that bot's my favorite. He's my favorite. Listener. He, always, oh, he, man, he doesn't say comments. anything, but he is such a great listener. He's so blunt. Yeah, he's good. He's very good. Mm-hmm. Straight to the <laughs> point, too. 
Uh, and then there's an update to the, the Rumiko Takahashi thing. Apparently she is not married. I thought she was too, guys. I don't know why I just assumed that. I think it's because A, she makes shitloads of money off rom-coms, and B, since she's in her 50s, I assume she was into tra- traditions like marriage. Why is she single? Maybe she's going against the grain. Maybe she couldn't find a man who would fall to the ground when she yelled, Sit boy! Or maybe she has a long-time <laughs> female friend. I don't really know her dating history. Maybe she's an old virgin and a cat lady and has never mar- and has never dated. The theory I'm going with is that she's into black, <laughs> black guys because oh, one picture of her I know one picture of her has her wearing a Def Jam sweater. Rumiko XLL Cool J for sure. Um why do you why do people like camphor? Andy Andy Andy. If you search your feelings, you know the answer and close the picture of a fan service scene from camphor. Okay. I, uh, because I, boobs, I know, that's why. I, I guess, but like, you know, we, we, you and I both also know that there's a lot of, there's a lot of fan service shows out there. So I'm just wondering, like, is Camphor just very good at that fan service? Is it has something extra in there that really wins people over? I'm, I'm just wondering why, why that show in particular though? You know, because, you know, fan service is not something in short supply in the, in the medium. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone should. <laughs> I, are you are you willing to take the plunge one day, Joseph, and have a look at it? Or I don't you? know. I mean, I am into harems, but I've never been into camphor. Um, is mm. camphor like a gender swap anime? I think the main guy changes gender. Yeah. Yeah, like, like I'm not interested. I'm definitely not interested in that. Like, I think I remember mm. that where I saw that and he changes gender. No, I don't. Mm. I don't like that. I'm. Mm. I'm a big like. Rama one half, I was okay with. Everything right. else ever since that that's included gender swapping, it's just been not used in the right context. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Okay, right, fair enough. Right. Um, I guess I, we'll I don't, never know. I don't know if you've noticed, but there was a second mm-hmm. comment that got uploaded while we were talking about all the other comments to this. Oh, no. Where? Yes, it's a short one, though. It's a very short okay, one. Right. Okay, right. Where is it? Is it on the uh, Ginny Tyson one? Yep. Okay. Okay, here it is. It's by Marina Mariner Burt. Just wondering if Red is also colorblind. Kizuna Ai is clearly wearing a pink ribbon and having pink highlights in her hair, yet Red kept saying it was red. Um, are you colorblind? <laughs> I guess. I'm not colorblind, but I could swear that her virtual... Uh... No, yeah, she definitely wears pink. God okay. uh, damn it. I don't know why. Oh, no, wait. Okay, so maybe I was seeing on? something else that okay. she um, looked like it had a, more of a red color to it. Mm-hmm. But, okay, yeah. yes, she is wearing a pink ribbon and has pink highlights in her hair. And she's <laughs> funny as fuck with her. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> it's fake. Fuck you. Yeah, I love that clip. I was watching that for close to 15 minutes straight yesterday. It's just, I love how it just loops, you know? It's just like a really good thing just to put on every now and then, you know? The expression in her face and the mispronunciation of the English is just just right. Just the right amount, but yeah. There we go. Pink highlights. Who'd have thought it, I guess. Um, And now we move on to the forum topic, which is about opening. So let's, let's go. Midnight Crew says, Anything by man with a mission generally strikes a chord with me. Like the OP to Nanatsu no Tai's Taizai? 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 Taizai season 1. Inuyashiki and the ED for B, the beginning. They're just really good at getting my inner emotion across with their music. Really hype. 
Another one I love is the third OP from My Hero Academia, the similar hype-inducing reasons. These are the kinds of openings I gladly watch multiple times because they get me really excited for the show. If an OP gets you really pumped, it's doing it right. Oh, some other notable mentions are the OP from the first season of Musushi, which is nice and tranquil and fits the show perfectly, the crazy but incredibly catchy OP from uh, to Kokoku, which I agree with, and the incredible disturbing OP to Paranoia Agent, which really sticks with you, but for the less pleasant reasons than many of the above. Just plain, uh, it's just plain haunting. Next is Rampant AI, who comes in with hands down anything by y- y- Yoko Kano. It's all. It's my all-time f- uh, fave. Has got to be Tank by Kano and the seatbelts, which is. Ah, so good. Yeah, as you know, I haven't even watched Cowboy Bebop, but I have heard that song. So yeah, Three, it's iconic. Two, and it's one, awesome. let's go now. It's very classic. Ah. Yeah. It doesn't sound very anime-like, but uh, from the Oh no, it's very jazzy, is. very blues mm-hmm. jazzy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it, yeah, it does seem to really match the show. Um, I have lots of favorite OPs and EDs for various anime. Old and new, this one has to be mentioned. It's true. Zelda comes in with time to say something blasphemous. I really don't like anime openings, specifically the choice of songs. Most of them, to me, seem like generic contemporary J-pop songs whose purpose is to annoy and delay getting to the main content of the show. It doesn't help that shows seem to have spent most of the budget on opening and ending. Yeah, yeah, that's how you make a a popular show, though, to be fair. It's like you make a big (laughs) over-budget opening, then it gets posted into GIFs and gets put onto, like, you know, 4chan. People see that and they're like, oh, I'm going to go watch the show now. It works. It works with Aero Manga Sensei, the best opening. I mean, the best stuff is in the opening of that show, but yeah. Having said that, there are some openings I do enjoy. He goes with Bubblegum Crisis to hunt... 200? No. 2032! Traditional opening with, as with the current anime. It's instead of highly detailed opening that depicts the events leading to the plot of the second OVA. But more importantly, it's got some very good music in the form of 80s J-Rock, Mad Machine, uh, by Kun... <sighs> Crap. Kin... <laughs> Shit. Kinuko Omori. Uh, Zoku Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei. Unfortunately, I couldn't find a YouTube link. Uh, but it's opening the second season of Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei has a very catchy song and an odd animation style that adds to the crookiness. The fun fact is that the OP actually does get um, more detailed and more colourful with each successive episode until it's like full coloured by the end. Uh, the song is by Kuso Rumba. It's also very catchy. The song Kuso Rumba, sorry. It's, it's not actually by Kuso Rumba. Miss Kovia, she's Dragon Maid. Okay, I don't like the J-pop OPs, but this one manages to somehow avoid upsetting me too much. The quirky animation helps induce us to the premise of the show as well, showing almost all the principal casts and some of the side characters. And then lastly is Martian successor Nadesco, a real blast from the past. Uh, this was the back in the day where animation was still done via hand with minimal computer assistance, if any. Don't let the pole-faced look of the characters fool you. Most of the show is rather comedic in nature until the last few episodes. It helps that the song is really catchy and evokes the old 90s feel, and this show is remembered fondly as it. Along with Evangelion and Bubblegum Crisis, brought me back to the anime fold after a long absence. Black Magic Quadruple 4 comes in with I love a good opening. In fact, I think you can tell whether or not an anime will be based on it, based on its OP, not all the time, or get you hyped up if it's, um, if it's already a good show. A few of my favourite OPs are Hey Kids from Noragami Season 2, Bloody Stream from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 2, good choice, and I got to go with the classic tank from Cowboy Bebop. There we go. 
second mention endorsement, I guess that wins this week. Next is by a comment by Tokyo Blank, who says, For the most part, I, I so not watch openings I don't I do not watch openings for anime. I don't like to give up sorry, I don't like to give up the pop You can do I it, Andrew, like the... I believe. Shit. Um, oh, it's a good thing I didn't drink at all this week. I don't like pop music that normally is accompanied with those openings. That and I always think there are some spoilers in the opening. I don't know, that's probably true. Um, that's being said, there are a few openings that I have watched every time. Kakiguri, the gambling anime, had an amazing OP, and Deadman Wonderland had an amazing metal opening. There are probably other great ones, but these are the ones right off the top of my head. Queen Inoue comes in with, I love the opening and ending themes. I knew she would because um, I talked about her in the, in the private messages about this. There are shows I picked up just because I happened to hear the opening theme and liked it. Uh, music is probably the biggest criteria when watching anime. Some of the favourites are Aikotoba from Anime, anime Gataris and Naked Dai from Musaigen, No Phantom World. There are many others, but I don't. I just don't have time to list them all. Saying this, I will say my playlist on my phone, which I, I usually listen to in the car when I'm not listening to the podcast, is over 700 songs long with OPs and EDs from anime I have watched. That's a very long playlist. There are some anime songs I have yet to obtain that are proving, providing, uh, proving challenging to find legally that have not yet been added, but yeah. And then I think the last comment for this is by Yotaru Vegeta, who says, Before I begin, Flyers is incredible. I went and watched every episode before Bradio has on their YouTube because I love it so much. I also admire when Japanese, <laughs> when the Japanese rock afros. Anywho, when I saw the title of this thread, one OP came to mind first. Serial Experiments Lane OP Duvi by Boa. I like the Lane OP more than music than the animation, more for the music than the animation or visuals, but I love Lane. It was the mu- it was the late 90s and this came around the same time as The Matrix. I was in cyberpunk heaven when those two came uh, two things came into my life and that's why the OP is always not sorry, why the OP is always not too distant in my memory. Oh, and I'll shout out to Rock the Dragon because of my screen name because uh, A, my screen name, duh, and B, an English original OP song that's incredibly, that isn't incredibly embarrassing. This OP is embarrassing, no matter who sings it. What is the link? I said he posted a link there. Match game contestant sings opening to One Piece. Oh, okay. There we go. So that's what the link at the bottom is. And I suppose you could chime in with what your favourite OP is. Well, I have many favorite OPs, and there's a lot of them that have already been covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of them that I haven't skipped in recent history, where I listened to every single episode, and would start the episode with not skipping it, is Stardust Crusaders. Stardust Crusaders. Oh, JoJo's those. Bizarre Adventure. Stardust Crusaders, yeah, yeah, yeah. the original OP, where it's just it's mm-hmm. just heavy rock. That's just leading you into a really good anime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even their second yeah. opening is pretty good too. Especially mm-hmm. when it gets to this Zawaldo version where in oh, the Dio's initial... In yeah. yeah, where Dio just shows up and he actually freezes time during the OP and he just walks around the main character like, ha! I agree. Mm-hmm. Like, those OPs have, like, hands down some of the best CG you can see in anime in general. Like, even in the episodes and stuff. It's got some really good CG in them. Masked really well. 
Yeah, I think you can pick any JoJo opening and that pretty much, like, yeah, I can understand why you'd put that as, like, a favorite. Um, and just, like, others? the visuals to it, like, that, oh, that yeah. like, rough, drawn, so, it's just sexy, just, like, the way of the, oh, no, 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 no. It's so good. Just play that on loop. There's just something really satisfying about seeing that barrage of punches coming in from Star Platinum. Oh, yeah. It's better than Dragon Ball Z. I gotta say that. Dragon Ball Z was a lot of, like, you know, just flashing like flash, flash, when this one it just you can feel like every single punch. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, and it feels good. Um, otherwise, OPs, uh, I can't really think of anything in recent history that have really like stuck with me enough where. Mm-hmm. I kind of let them, you know, continue to play out without anything interrupting them. Uh, EDs are really what do it for me, actually. There's oh, more yeah. EDs than OPs that really get it. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe maybe I'll put a similar question up about that some other <laughs> week then, I guess. See what, see what one you'll pick. Uh, yeah. And then we have two messages. One of them is, again, directed at you, but um, they're not sure what your SN is on here, so it got forwarded to me instead by Queen Inoue. So this is a response to what you said about Mirai Nikki. Um, okay. there, yeah, there are lots of aspects of that show that scream horror to me, and I'm not really into a lot of the senseless death, like people being killed off because of some random thing, like a text on a phone. Oh, by the way, this is by Queen Inoue. Uh, to me, it seemed along the lines of King's Game in terms of what the show seemed to be about. I never watched King's Game, nor even considered it because of that aspect. From what I did see on Mirai Nikki, I just wasn't into it. To me, it's just felt like I was just sitting there watching people kill each other because some words on a cell phone. I have no problem with violence in anime, but senseless killing each other to rule the world or whatever the premise was, where they had to pay attention to the words on the cell phone, just rubs me the wrong way. I'd be happy to send a link to Mile so you can see the kinds of show I watch or i'm into i am backlogged on anime at the moment since i'm watching almost everything for the season so when i have a slower season when i'm not watching as much if i'm if i get the gumption to i will think about picking up mary nikki again but at this moment in time i'm not planning to so that's about the why you know why it's it fits into the horror genre to her personally there hmm. i think that's <laughs> more psychological i mean king's game was definitely very very psychological um it's but i don't think no it's it's a comedy in yeah, in comedy for you uh but when it came down to it king's game very focused on like paying attention to the cell phone he basically had to follow the rules in yeah. mira nikki not the same the cell phones mm-hmm. were just an assistant tool an assistive tool mm-hmm. they didn't actually yeah. dictate what was going to happen mm-hmm. yes they did give you some like um, for some of the people, they would give, like, what would happen next, but you had a predictive element to it, you know. But with Miraniki, it was more about using the abilities that you were given yep. to, or that you naturally had to succeed in changing that um, predictive future. Yeah. I see. Okay. Because not so, everyone's... Hmm future diary was the same because some of their future diaries would predict like their movements, the movements of their enemies or perhaps their financial status or perhaps, you know, just random going ons that didn't really have anything to help them. Ah, okay. 
So it was less about like the phones themselves actually killing the person. Yeah, the phones themselves yeah. didn't kill the person. The person being killed by one of the other diary holders was what the anime ended up being. But it's still fair enough to describe it as some sort of death game anime. Oh yeah, definitely. I yeah. mean, the the whole premise is finding a new god to replace the uh, deus who is dying. And even after he dies, because he does die before the game is over, the uh, brown Lolita, uh, Lolita, the brown lolly who takes over for deus is like, the yeah. games must continue on, even though Deus is dead. And yes, I've been kind of skewing the games because I wanted to see them be more interesting, and Deus was not happy with that. But fuck it, he's dead, so continue with the games. Ah, okay. Right, so... Yeah! Mia Nikki again, I suppose. I, I don't know what, how to end that one off. I've got one last message from this week. This is the last one. Thank fucking God we're at the end of this. Um, oh, yeah. I just wanted to say something in regards to the anime I trashed, this is to me, that I trashed during the lightning round last week. So, Beatless, I actually like this show. I know the little sister is not a robot. It centers around basically a conspiracy that android things that are called... I can't pronounce that. Hiei? Hey, hey, Are going to take over the world and make humans obsolete. There are characters who believe this and our main character who doesn't and sees Hiei as something equal to human but with more capabilities. I actually picked up the show because another podcast played the opening theme, and I loved it, so there. Side note, I originally did not pick uh, pick it to watch, but what I can say is I'm a sucker for music. Uh, Gaku and Babysitters is a good wind-down show if you want something cute to watch before going to sleep, and same with Mitsuboshi Colors. Also, just a cute settle-in uh, type show. I can't remember if there were any others you brought up in that um, that I had seen but that's just my perspective on things so it's actually kind of interesting to see like contrast to like both Hajime no Gal and Beatless this week because you know we've heard um opinions very much to one side so it's good to hear a bit of a you know hey Beatless appeals to some people and I guess in that regard the anime serves some sort of you know purpose and they're able to get appreciated by someone which is always a plus so and that does it that does it let's just let's let's go <laughs> I'm, All right. I'm out of breath yeah yeah, so let us uh, quickly transition into industry news. And to start things off, I got a bit of a tidbit here from a Twitter user who actually answered a question that many of us have been scratching our brains about and just claiming as impossible. So we all know in the vacuum of space, you can hear nothing because there is nothing for sound to reverberate off. Well, recently a Twitter user came out and posted three pages of a rather unspecified Gundam manga on Tuesday last week that basically said, explained why you can hear the pew-pew in space. On the first page tweeted, the character, a character, asked why he can hear sounds in the vacuum of space. Another character over the radio explains that inside helmets and the cockpits of mobile suits, there is a stereophonic sound system. First, a camera collects video from outside. A computer then plays appropriate present sounds to match that pilot sees. 
Continuing on the next page, the character explains that if the camera and sensors capture an explosion, people can hear the sound of an explosion as they see it on the display. He adds that the sound quality in the uh, in the uh, mobile suit piloted was very good. With the mobile suit's new blade, as he felt the explosions even reverberated in his stomach. So it must have had some subwoofers on that bitch. <laughs> on the right. third page, which seems to come from later in the manga volume, the character says that the personal changes in the present sound data and mobile suits that he and his fellow students had used were prevalent. Although it was prohibited, changing the sounds in such a way became a unique form of entertainment. He fondly recalls how he and his friends would sample sounds from video games and movies to assign them to enemy mobile suits. So basically, you're not actually hearing the actual sound of explosion. You're walking around on the enemy's planet, and you see their base explode. You hear, kaboom. That's not the enemy's place actually exploding sound. That's just the sound that the camera's have determined you're going to hear. Okay, so it sees the explosion, it sees the lasers, and it makes it generates the sound based on those. Pew, 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 pew. Yes. In fact, they even so in- make the comment that it is very possible, hypothetically, that yeah. as long as you had a mecha suit doing this, you could very well hear lasers say pew, pew. Yeah. Okay. And this is all because- in the show or the manga. Yeah, you can assign a sound to a visual. Hmm. Okay. It's kind of like those scratch-off cards back in the day in the movie theaters that would say like, ah, oh, now scratch off here for burning rubber. Scratch off here for popcorn. Scratch off here for, you know, blood. Something like that. Oh, okay. And it's kind of like that in the sense that the camera picks up what you're seeing and is like, ah, this is an explosion. Thus, you'll be hearing this noise, which kind of makes sense to me in the sense that it helps the pilot because it's like the camera on your Gundam is seeing, ah, behind you, there is a Gundam approaching and it's making this noise possibly. And it makes that noise and you can hear the explosion behind you. You're like, ah, there's a Gundam who is blasting off towards me. Move out of the way. Mm-hmm. So it actually kind of has an in-universe sort of function. It helps them see this, feel the space around them, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, right. Fair enough. Yep. I, I guess this could partially explain why you can hear sounds in space in Star Wars as well, I guess. Maybe they just do the partially. same technology. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, uh, there suppose... there you go. Okay. <laughs> so bulldozing straight ahead. Um, there's uh, season two. I Back when I was doing my audition... To come on the podcast, I reviewed a little anime called Ace Attorney, based off the Phoenix Wright series of games. They're lawyer games, and they're on the DS and Game Boy Advance and pretty much every mobile device now. And it got an anime adaptation by A1 Pictures, which I I would have loved as a kid because I loved the series so much. But I was disappointed in, to say the least, and now they've announced they're going to make a season 2. That's going to be hitting Japan in fall 2018, so I'm looking forward to Slash dreading this release. It's going to be based on the third game. I don't know how many episodes they're going to dedicate to it. Um, Whether it's going to be 13 or 24 episodes. It's going to be based on the third game, Justice for All. Not Justice for All. Trials and Tribulations. Which was one of my favourite games. So it's it's got a lot more writing on it that they could possibly fuck up. There's going to be a lot of returning characters and casts. Apparently they have the, the, the original creator and director, Shu Takumi, on board. I've 
I feel like he's just there for name recognition because like I don't know if he's 100% happy with this. I, I hope he's not because I believe in him more than that. They've got producer Koji Nagai along with Ayumu Watanabe as producer and Keiko Ota as character designer and chief animation director. And Kaoru Wada will handle the music. I don't recognize most of those names at all. And I'm worried about them handling the music and saying that because they included almost no tracks that were directly lifted from the games or reorchestrations of them, which is a shame because the music from Phoenix Wright is incredibly iconic and a big part of the experience. So, yep, that's, I just wanted to throw that out. I'm dreading this. It's coming out. I'm not very optimistic because it looks very similar to this promotional image here of... um. One of the best characters, Bodo, with his mask there, but Phoenix and Maya look as, um, you know, watered down as they did in the last season, so there we go. <laughs> A1 Pictures. <laughs> Creating dreams. Thank you. All right. Well, my last piece of news here, because I have three this week, is a bit of a uh, uh, election coming up. Uh, Kodak, or Katakoa is actually putting out a new election for the next generation of light novel heroines. Um, the heroines, totaling a number 25, are competing from the MF Bunko J, the Sneaker Bunko, uh, Fantasia Bunko, Dengeki Bunko, and Famitsu Bunko lines. Uh, previously, Amelia won a previous election limited to only the MF Bunko J heroines in November. Uh, however, She'll have a hard time defending her spot since ReZero isn't nominated this year. Instead, oh. the election is focusing on the next generation of the top light novel heroines. The Jeez. candidates are from Sneaker Bunko, we have uh, Kaifuku Jutsutu no Yari Nawashi Shoshuku Maho no Skill Copy no. Cho sits. Oh, god damn it. Why do you make oh, fucking. <laughs> god damn. That's a fun looking oh, name. Okay. It's a manga by Rui. <laughs> Rui, Rui Sukiyuki. Sukiyoki. Or Sukiyo. Sorry. Uh, then we have Free Life. Isekai uh, Narimoya Funatoki. Uh, that's one much shorter. We have Boshojo Saka to Mazatsu Million. Salionaire! That's that, yes, with many A's after that. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> we have Sentoni, Haken Shimatsu, our combat combatants will be dispatched, and uh, Wanwan Monogatari, uh, Kanemochi no Iru ni Shitai Towa uh, Itaga. Holy shit, this is another really long one. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Regretting every... Gosh darn, that's some harsh manganese. So yeah, there's a lot of names here that I will just butcher. The only reason I really bring this up is because, as we all know, I'm kind of uh, very interested in the uh, manga about the mother who ends up going with her son to a different world. And she ends up being super powerful in uh, that yeah, world. There's no well, way my mouth, my mouth could be this good at RPGs. <laughs> Something like that. Um, from the Fantasia Bunko, do you like your mom? Her normal attack is two attacks at full power by uh, Dachima I Inaka. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, just because, like, the cover art for the mother is just, <laughs> it's just, it's just beautiful brown-haired milf material, like a hundred percent white dress, very open near the top. Like the mother appears to be one of those, like, all right, son, we're in the video game. Now what do we do? I'll follow your lead. And then, like, the mother's like super powerful, and then the son's like, holy shit, mom, you're really powerful. And she's like, watch your language, young boy. But was that really good? And it's just like, oh my gosh, she's adorable and sexy at the same time. Hype. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's why I'm very interested in this, because I'm seeing this this light novel cover, and I'm like, oh, it's a potential. If they win, they might see some anime, and maybe a manga. I will totally oh, so it's, buy it's, it's it. It's nominated. It's actually nominated. Yes, it's one of the ones that's nominated. They are competing okay. against uh, uh, Mao Tobo Tsuchita Auto. Holy <laughs> fuck, that's a really long We're word. Uh, Mare Tachi Itakunai no De Guildmaster. Or uh-huh. after, tor- after tormenting the devil, I did not want to stand out, so I became a Guildmaster. That's not a fucking title. Fucking shorten no. your goddamn titles. That's a Terrible fucking statement. Names. God Wait, damn it. Have awful names. Oh, Here's one. Oh, Assassin's Pride. I can read that. I can read yeah. that. Anyone can read yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God yeah. damn it. Um, uh, Hiyota no Kanajo ga ore no Motaru eroge ni Kyomi Shinashi nai Daga? Mm-hmm. Fucking again, really, Japan? Chill it with the titles. Assassin's yeah. Pride. You can aim for that. Even do you like your mom? Her normal attack is two attacks of full power. That's still a bit of a, a long-running yeah. title, but at the same time, I'll forgive it for the MILF. There's there's a reason that fans actually like shorten names like Oreimo and stuff, you know. Just just go with the shortened names, and then if anyone's curious, they can see the full title. But just just go with the shortened name to begin with, you know. Just, yeah, ugh. and the last nice one it's competing against is uh, Kimi Toboko no Saigo no Senjo Aryu wa Sekai ga Hajimaru Seisen, mm-hmm. or The World Ends the World slash Raises the World. Hmm. Okay. So, so I'm hoping to see Do You Like Your Mom? Her normal attack is a two attacks of full power win because I want to see that made into a manga and into an anime so I can enjoy some MILF material. We haven't yeah. had any really good MILFs in anime lately. Uh, No, no, I guess not. Yeah. The lolly from Masaminikin's Revenge. Anyway. So yeah, that's uh, that does it for industry news. Why don't we get into our reviews? And since I just ended our news, how about you get us started with uh, your review? Okay. So, um, go straight into it. Many years ago, when I was trying out to be the co-host, I talked about a little anime, I feel like deja vu here, called Kuroko no Basket, aka Kuroko's Basketball, a sports anime on Shonen Jump's manga by Fujimaki Tadatoshi, and adapted by Production IG, who have worked on such timeless masterpieces like Nobless Awakening. Every episode starts with the premise. There was once a team from Teiko Middle School that went undefeated for the three years they were together, and came to be known as the Generation of Miracles. 
Each of the five members displayed unique talents befitting the title and left to different schools now as rivals, different high schools. Unbeknownst to most is that this team also had a member with his own talents known as the Phantom Sixth Man, or Kuroko. This is the story about the basketball that Kuroko plays. So it's the start of a new year at Seirin High School, and all eyes are focused on the basketball team, who have managed to recruit a healthy number of new first-year students, which include our two leading characters. The first introduced is Kagami Taiga, a red-haired, rugged, tough guy type character, who, whilst being Japanese, has just transferred back after being in the States. Kagami lives for basketball, and his talent is so great that Riko Eida, or Ida, I suppose, the team manager, is surprised given that she has a special skill that allows her to see a person's potential just by looking at their bodies, preferably shirtless. He is followed in a less noticeable extent by the titular character, with light blue hair, whom Riko sees uh, has bland stats and almost no potential at all. It becomes apparent, though, uh, through the first match, however, that Kuroko's lack of presence is actually his greatest strength. See, even being in the same room as Kuroko, it's hard for people to notice him, and that's especially so during the frantic and energetic sport of basketball. Coupled Coupled with his uncannily accurate passing technique, you have one of the best support players a team could ask for. Emphasis on team. See, this ties into why the series is named after him and not Kagami, despite Kagami being the ace player. It's because the role Kuroko plays lends itself to the message of the show about teamwork. See, while it's true that Kuroko himself is gifted in his own right, it only comes to light when in the shadow of great teammates, especially Kagami, who exerts such talent that it better masks his presence. See, the analogy here is that Kagami is the light and uh, Kuroko is the darkness, and that the brighter the light, the, the darker the shadow. So, now Kuroko's personal philosophy about sport is not exactly revolutionary, but it's, it's an over-the-top and energetic means that Shonen Jump series are particularly good at where the entertainment lies here. It's pretty apparent that the big bosses in the series are going to be the aforementioned Generation of Miracle members. They each sport different colourful hairstyles, various archetype, uh, archetypical personalities, and most importantly, with their own special moves. Many would agree that, with Shonen Jump especially, the villains are often as important to the series as the main cast, and that is because of the various purposes they can serve. They can challenge the ideals of the main characters like many do in One Piece or Naruto, they can serve as mountains to be overcome like Frieza and Dragon Ball, or they can even add some additional charisma and charm a la Dio Brando and Jojo's. In this regard, the generation of miracles in Kuroko passes with flying colours. They stand as the antithesis to the show's theme, not just in terms of their mindset, but also because their abilities allow them to excel individually, unlike Kuroko. Those abilities are in this show in Season 1, ranging from the ability to score a three-pointer from anywhere on the court, to being able to perfectly copying someone's technique, basically like using the Sharon gun. Now, none are quite as fabulous as Dio in terms of personality, however the nature of this being a sports show leaves them open to continue to be rivals even if they lose to Kuroko, and get some further development, I guess similar to Vegeta in that regard. Heck, the development process is sped up by the fact that our two protagonists will elicit different reactions from the Generations of Miracles just by the nature of Kuroko already having a history with them and Kagami meeting them for the first time. So, now during my edition episode, you also remarked about how sports is not exactly the most popular type of anime out there. And it's probably easy to see why. See, if top anime lists I've browsed through mean anything, escapism seems to be a large draw to popular series with shows taking place in our world, often having to incorporate some sort of fantasy elements such as the time leaping in Steinscape, or your name with its body swapping. 
It's true that Kuroko has superpowers, but the story doesn't fall apart with the removal of it, unlike with the examples I just gave. Sports anime in general stands in contrast with these escapist notions. See, they highlight that a real-life activity and passionately describe it through the story um, why so many people care about it. This could be said about anime outside typical sports, e.g. how Ryo no Oshigoto shows the reason to play shogi is the lolly harm that comes with it. But my, my assumption is that sports as a whole carries less appeal to, anime, uh, to the anime watching masses unless we add lollies. I too never really dipped my feet into the genre for a while. I mean, I figured that one day I'd watch something like Hajime no Ippo as my first sports anime because at least it would have fighting because it's boxing. Um, but for some strange occurrence, it happened to be Kuroko in the end. One of the reasons I love anime so is that more than any other medium, it can communicate from creator to audience that anything, no matter how mundane, can be interesting with the right sort of presentation. And this translates over to sports, where through the creator's passion for the subject, that being basketball, they were able to make me interested in something that I've never played in real life really seriously or really taken an interest in. Despite it being sports, the motions where drama is found during a match, the dynamics that form between the players, the power struggles and game-like mechanics maintain a lot of the appeal that you get in great battle manga. This appeal is channeled through the lens uh, of the sport with attention to details like team formations, special moves that add to the rather they, they add to the sport rather than distract from the game itself. And unique aspects to the sport, such as the ever-present time limit that, are, that is used to enhance the tension. Now, what I have been saying could be seen as dick riding the source material, but with Kuroko, there's plenty more dick riding to go around, because the anime production quality is pretty damn solid on its own. This is a good-looking show. The character design is varied enough, and the art style is clean, with just enough detail to, and lightning, lightning, slash lighting to punctuate drama and expressions. Better still is that Production IG have really brought their A-game in terms of the animation. There are instances of one too many flashbacks at times, and there's parts where it's a little bit slow, but looking over the season as a whole, a lot did get done, and backpedaling to the animation, at its peak, especially with the last matches, they quite simply made the show seem hype as shit. It is this level of raw kinetic energy that the studio is capable of here that led to my disappointment in the scarcity when it came to the show like Ballroom Iyokuso that I covered uh, last year. There's way too much for me to go over in detail here, so uh, my initial draft of this review ended up being way too long, so I had to overhaul a lot of it. But seeing as it's only season one, I thought, you know, I could probably cut it down, and I'll just round up some uh, honourable mentions in our lightning round section. So, um, while there are clear protagonists to the story, the supporting cast is decently strong and managed to be likeable as a whole. The OPs are pretty entertaining, not the best in the series, but the first one is the, has the most memorable song. It's rare, but the moments where they try to put male-orientated fan service is kind of funny by the nature that any guys watching this show aren't looking here for that. And lastly, it's worth noting that it's obvious that you're not going to see them go against the whole generation of miracles in one season. But I will say they do manage to make the conclusion satisfying with one of the best matches not even involving the main cast. So yeah, it's a good sports show. Was really the getaway. It was really the gateway drug that got me into trying other sort of sports shows like Haikyuu, Ping Pong the Animation, Moe Ping Pong. It still stands on its own to this day. And need I say more? It's obviously getting a download now for me. A download now for Kurokono Basket. Yes. Well, I, think that's pretty good. I guess that brings it to my review. Of uh, I'm titling, insert what I expected, 
what I got meme here. What can I honestly say about this anime other than that it was not at all what I was expecting. And while I'll admit I never watched any of the previews, I still didn't see this coming. It was like seeing the description for a dish on a menu called Fettuccine Alfredo, ordering it and being served an Italian wedding soup. Sure, they might both be Italian dishes, but they're very different in terms of what kind of dish they are. One is pasta, and the other is soup. But enough with the analogs, let's dig in. The anime in question is Noroto Ojo no Noroneko Heart. And the premise is basically that the princess of the underworld has come to Earth to bring about the end of times. But due to her being from the land of the dead, she gets sick around so much life. And instead of killing everything, she simply turns into... She turns a high school boy into a black cat. Now, from the description I read, this sounded pretty cool. Kind of like Inunto uh, Hasimi wa Sukiyao, uh, but with a cat instead of a really dumb dog. This is not the case, however. We instead get one of those short episode style anime where the main protagonist, Nora, has already been transformed into a cat. Being that this is based on a romantic visual novel, Nora is surrounded by a gaggle of female friends, most of whom want to be his first time. See, it's rather easy to turn Nora in back into a human. All he needs is a kiss from a girl. But of course, Nora, for some reason, runs away whenever any of the girls try this. Likely it's because he's your typical high school male in anime and has no dick. But I would like to think that it was because being a cat is super cool and you don't need to go to school or work. It's probably still the former reason, though. After the first episode, where Nora's home is burned down after a failed attempt to kiss him, we get these situational episodes where we meet new characters who are likely supporting characters in the visual novel, go to the beach for some fan service, attend a rigged game show, and even watch an episode that was probably the animation team's vacation video of a goat farm. Sometimes we get a joke or two that lands. But then you get an episode where Nora meets his dead mother in the underworld, which comes off as pretty goddamn sober. So even if you're looking for some quick comedy, I can't recommend this series. In all honesty, this was a time waster of an anime, used much like expanding foam in the place of substantial anime that I passed over because their descriptions didn't appeal to me. When I realized that this was not at all what I was expecting, I just shrugged my shoulders and pressed onward, knowing that at least the short length would free up more time for playing games or watching YouTube videos. <laughs> When it comes down to it, this is just going to be one of those forgettable types of anime no one will have ever heard of in a year. The animation was a joint production between two studios I've never heard of, DMM Futureworks and WToon Studio. The animation is simple to say the least, but it's playful. One episode was which was just video of a goat farm was pretty odd. But for a work done by two studios I've never heard of, this wasn't terrible. 
and I've seen terrible done by pretty big names. So consider this me saying it's adequate. <laughs> Voice acting. Surprisingly enough, the actresses who played the main cast of gals who followed Nora around are pretty well versed in the voice acting business. With names like Yu Asakawa, who uh, played Ryder from Fate's Day Night. Uh, Eri Sendai, who played Tsubaki from Future Diary. And uh, Natsumi uh, Tom, uh, Takamori, from, who played uh, Mei Misaki from Another. So, with that in mind, I would say the voice acting might actually be the best part of the series. Something I'm never really looking for, but I'll take what I can. Yeah. And so for my favorite character, <laughs> there's none. Everyone here is pretty paper thin in terms of personality and development, meaning I would have to base my decision on appearance. Sadly, due to the animation, all the girls come off as pretty young, so I'm not interested. Even Nora's mother looks to be in her late 20s, if that. Yeah. So for a very short review, Nora to Ojo no Nora Neko Heart gets a burn it. Didn't scrape by with Netflix. Nope. No, not even a Netflix. Oh dear. Let's set that on fire and let it burn. I see. Okay. Uh, I was wondering if the, the grace points of it being short might save it, but nope, didn't manage to. Nope, nope. Well, right. I believe that does it for an episode of Anime Pulse. Yeah. I'd like to thank the thousand of listeners who showed up. All yeah, of them. I also, yeah, I'd also like to apologize if the, if the community bit dragged on a bit long and I was also a bit of a mess. Apologies for that. I'm sure the community loves hearing the sound of their own voices on the show, read by us, the famous Anime Pulse hosts. <laughs> yeah, illustrious. Yes, illustrious. Yes. yes, you know, just being like, oh, my, my comment's being read online. Oh. <laughs> so com- comment more people make Andrew's job even harder <laughs> don't do that <laughs> next next time if we can get up to 45 comments and not just a bunch of like this is comment number one this is comment number two this is comment number three Andrew are you still reading these this is comment number four this is comment number five Andrew keep please reading these <laughs> I, I actually thought I was going to be I can't First I thought, if I don't read out my comments, it's going to be really easy. Then I thought, okay, if I'm going to paraphrase a few of them, it's going to be really easy. But it just never ended. It's, it was nuts. Oh. Yep. Well, until next time then, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong. <laughs>